The Oklahoma City Thunder beat the New Orleans Pelicans on the road, taking care of business, showing you that they're the best team in the West. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder taking care of business against the New Orleans Pelicans with a defensive clinic proving to be a top seed in the Western Conference and previewing the Pistons game, plus a lot more about this game, which I think was one of Chet's best games as a member of the Thunder. Here is podcast number six of the week talking about this game. Of course, they play the Pistons in a matter of hours in the middle of the afternoon on Sunday, so we'll have that recap for you as well. So the Thunder are going to make your life hard. And they're going to find ways to beat you down. Let's look at this game. And entering it, it's a good Pelicans team. It's on the road. It's a Pelicans team that has done really well defending Shea, specifically with Herb Jones defending Shea. And there was a lot of question marks about what this would look like. You beat up on, you you know, you beat up on uh, Portland, you know, going down to the wire, of course, in that case. But, like, you know, beating Portland, you know, you, you try to turn the corner and now you're playing a really tough New Orleans squad. and. For the first few possessions of the game, it was kind of a mixed bag. Like there were some possessions where the Thunder were bogged down offensively. There are some possessions where the Thunder generated some good shots that just didn't happen to fall. But here's the thing. In this game, the Thunder never truly got going shooting the basketball, which is why they shot just 30% from three. However, they were able to get it going inside the arc, 47% from the floor, and 90 3% at the charity stripe, but 30% from three on the road against a good team in the Western conference should not result in a 24 point win, but that's exactly what happened with the Oklahoma city thunder because they let up just 83 points. Thanks to this swarming defense that had crisp rotations and multiple guys on the floor who have elite level anticipation and feel for the game of what's going to happen next. And whenever you, as a defender, have this ability to jump the passing lanes, to get deflections, to feel like you're a step ahead of what the offense is trying to do, it leads to New Orleans turning the ball over 20 times. 20 turnovers at home for New Orleans, who shot 39% from the floor, 25% from three, and 71% at the charity stripe. New Orleans' offense was awful, and they didn't have Zion. That is true, but they had everybody else. Literally everybody else they had. And it was still this bad for them offensively. In the year of our Lord, 2024, whenever all people can talk about right now, especially after the scoring week that we've seen in the NBA, is is how defense is non-existent in the NBA nowadays and, and how nobody plays it in the modern NBA. The Thunder let up 83 points for the course of an entire game. And this is just something that I think that the Pelicans... Uh, are going to have to get away from 
and they did it some in the play, and we called it last year before the play-in game, of viewing Jonas as some as some Valanciunas as some kind of mismatch, you know, exploitation, because that's not how you want to run your offense. The Thunder would welcome you to run your offense by trying to dump it into Jonas Valanciunas over and over and over again. They would gladly take that whenever you're getting the ball out of the hands of CJ McCollum, getting the ball out of the hands of Brandon Ingram, you're getting the ball out of the hands of, of, of better offensive players. And to Chet's credit, Chet held his own defensively and matched Jonas's physicality and played Jonas off the floor offensively. And so the, the, the Pelicans got into that game a little bit too much at the beginning of the game where they were trying to play through Jonas too much. But when you look back on this game, the Thunder were a plus four on the glass. They had nine less turnovers than New Orleans. They won points in the paint, 58 to 38. They even won second chance points by two. But here's the big kicker. In a game where the Thunder didn't have their best shots from beyond the arc, 30% from three, that was not their best shooting night. They also were only a plus one in fast break, and their fast break points were nine to eight. So that's two ways where the Thunder were out of their element. They weren't shooting the ball well, which typically this year, they've been a good three-point shooting team. And they weren't being able to get out and run in transition and dominate in transition despite creating 20 turnovers, which typically this year has been their bread and butter. It's been just outpacing you, outracing you to the rim. We've seen some gaudy fast break numbers. And it's a category that we've harped on in this show is their fast break numbers. It was a nine to eight in this game. But it just shows the ways that the Thunder can beat you. What style of play would you aim for to beat this Thunder team? Because they're so adaptive that they can execute. You know, If this is how they're going to execute in a slower half-court offense and half-court game, similar to the context of what you see in the playoffs without having a strong shooting night, and they're still able to win by 24, it has to make you believe this is not only one of the best teams in the NBA, but, but with the best team in the Western Conference right now. They are playing the best basketball right now in the Western Conference. And it shows that they're the top seed in the Western Conference. Of course, it's a margin of error that is razor thin, and that these standings are going to change uh, from time to time and day to day pretty much in the Western Conference. But nonetheless, when the body of work is put on the table and you strip away what people thought was going to happen in the, in the preseason and you only look at what actually has tangibly happened, the Thunder are the best team in the Western Conference and one of the best teams in the NBA. New Orleans never led by more than six. And they never led after the first few minutes of the second quarter. Like you went on the road against the top six seed in the Western Conference and went almost wire to wire. Like the start of the second quarter from that point forward, the Pelicans never got back in this game, never took a lead and ended up getting blown out at home. And I get it. You know, the Zion thing happens, but at this point, like that's just life in the NBA. You're going to be missing a player or two each game. And at this point, you know, relying on Zion is just not, uh, has not been great for, for New Orleans in the grand scheme of things. They still had some very talented basketball players who the Thunder were able to dominate without having a ton of fast break points, without having uh, a, a, a otherworldly shooting game from three or even a good shooting game from three. And it all circled back to that defense. And from top to bottom, Everybody's pitching in defensively. Everybody's doing their job defensively. And everybody is getting it going on that end and creating turnovers and applying the pressure to the opposition, closing out on shots. Whenever they are on defensively, they're the best defensive team in the NBA. More often than not, 
They're the best defensive team in the NBA. Because they have guys like Casey Wallace off the bench, who we're going to talk about. You know what Lou Dort can do. SGA is the best superstar two-way player. He's the best that, that can go out there and lock down defensively and play up defensively while also getting you 30 every single night. And you look up today against New Orleans, this team that plays him very well, and he once again had a pretty efficient 30-point night. But we'll continue to talk about this game and how it all unfolded. I think Chet and Casey Wallace really stole the show. We'll talk about those two guys coming up. But first, I want to say right now, very good friends over at FanDuel. Check it out today at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. New customers right now can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's a $5 bet. That's all you got to do is place that. And then you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when or lose on that $5 bet. You can do same game parlays. You can do spreads, prop bets, over-unders, everything you could want at FanDuel right now. And today is a perfect day to go try out FanDuel. You go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown. And when you do, you can bet on the NBA, college basketball, the NFL, the NHL, anything you want to bet on. And today you can bet on the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Baltimore Ravens, and that's at 2.30, and the Thunder taking on the Pistons at 1. You could have an overlapping bet going on these two sports, have a multi-screen set up, and, and just really enjoy the day. So check it out today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn uh, to get started today. And, of course, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed with a $5 bet. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. What a game this was against New Orleans. Let's continue on discussing this team as a whole and talking about Chet Holmgren. And the, and the biggest part of this Thunder team, and, and what I think that they should really lean into, is this phrase that we've heard from Mark and from the players is uncommon. That is something that they've preached over and over and over again, typically in the context of uncommon maturity. But uncommon can be a branding for not only this Thunder team, not only this Thunder era, but this Thunder franchise. It is ridiculous to be this good, this fast, this young. To have an MVP caliber player who's an all-star starter, and I think the MVP front runner right now, to be this good through the course of this franchise's history since coming to Oklahoma City is uncommon. The way they win games in so many different aspects and avenues and ways is uncommon. The rookies and young players who contribute every single night is uncommon. Everything about what the Thunder are doing is uncommon, and they should really lean into that aspect of things. Like There are many people of all demographics ages in Oklahoma who still don't really understand what life is really like in the NBA from day to day because of how spoiled this franchise is and this fan base is, which is an excellent thing. This franchise is uncommon. The accolades, the success, everything about this is uncommon in a positive way. And you look around at some of the other teams in the NBA, some of the other fan bases, who now have gone generations that don't know success and don't know stability even, much less success, don't know stability. It has to make you appreciate even more the fact that since the Thunder have gotten here, all you've known is stability. All you've known is success. 
All you've known is a well-ran franchise, despite adversity, despite many adverse, adverse points in the franchise's tenure. They've always found a way to quickly get over to the other side of that, to quickly regroup from that and push forward. And that's all very uncommon. I want to talk Chet Holmgren. I thought Chet Holmgren had one of his best games of the year because of the way he matched Valanciunas' physicality and how prepared he was for Valanciunas' physicality. He absorbed post-ups extremely well. He patrolled the paint extremely well. And he only let up 14-9 and nine because Jonas was only able to play 20 minutes and was a minus seven in those minutes. Look, 20 minutes to, to almost get a double-double is a good night from, from Valanciunas. However, not when you look at the entire body of work. Not when you look at the botched possessions, the deflections, and the takeaways it took to try to get him the ball. And then you look at how Chet was able to exploit him on the other end. Chet Holmgren made Jonas Valanciunas unplayable in this game because he has that ability to attack the hard closeout and to make you pay for no matter how you defend him. And when you look at his aspect of offense, Chet Holmgren has such you know, he's such long strides and takes up so much real estate that the pickup point of when to defend and how to defend Chet is still largely unknown. That spin move through the lane is so lethal. The strides let him get to his spots at will. If you play him too close, he'll just blow right past you. If you play him too far off, he'll knock down a three. And once Chet Holmgren gets more comfortable getting a catch and firing off a three, versus getting the catch and then looking for the next play first. Once that flips just a little bit more in the opposite direction where he's looking to shoot first, then that combination gets even more deadly. It really does. But the amount of space he just takes up moving along the half-court offense gets him easy looks and gets him easy shots. Then you hook up with J-Dub for a lob. You know, then you then you attack Valanciunas' hard closeout and make him fall to the ground. His mindset in this game was the most important part. He had many highlights. He had many of energy-giving plays. But the mindset of, on defense, he's not going to get bullied. And on offense, he knew from the get-go that there was no way Jonas could guard him. And you can watch from the beginning to end how intentful he was playing off the catch and getting downhill to get around Jonas. 20 points, 13 rebounds. I thought it was one of his better rebounding games uh, this year, just from an overall technical standpoint of playing it off the glass, playing it off the rim, and using his body to put, to put, to put his body on somebody to get a box out to get uh, that opportunity. 20, 13, a steal, two blocks from him. So that you go from one rookie to another in Casey Wallace, who had four steals. He's now up to 33 steals, Casey Wallace says. As a rookie in his first season, he has elite anticipation skills. And those lead to him just shutting down plays on his own. You can watch his processing skills, which we typically talk about as an offensive skill set. But the processing skills defensively of understanding what the next chess move is for this offense to be able to go anticipate it and take it away and get a steal, get a deflection, uh, get a disruption at the very least offensively, defensively, is at an elite level. He's also extremely elite at two other aspects of, of defense. Number one is helping 
off ball as a help defender. He has a unique ability, which is so rare for a rookie. It's rare for anyone, but so rare for a rookie to be able to go reach your hand in that cookie jar on drivers, reach your hand in, come up with a steal more often than not come up with a steal more often than you get hit with a foul. That's elite. He's also elite at taking away cuts. Watch him off ball when players try to cut on him and his unique ability to just put his arms out in front on the front side of, of the cutter and just simply catch the ball before the offensive player can on those back cuts. I put out a whole uh, clip, a whole video of all of his seals this year. And you can pick up on all these things, watching them back to back to back to back. He just knows what to do. He knows where to be. On defense, he understands the ins and outs of it. He understands positioning. We talk a lot about how Josh Giddey's kind of kind of changed his defensive positioning, whereas his back's to the to the baseline more, and he's seeing everything in front of him. That is something that it just came naturally to Casey Wallace. Like his defensive positioning is fantastic. Everything about him on the defensive end is at such a high level. And that's why I continue to say that if this is the baseline of who Casey Wallace is as a defender, which he showed in college, which he showed in high school, if this is who Casey Wallace is as a baseline, you put him in this system, you put him with these Thunder coaches, he's going to be one of the best defenders in the NBA. He's going to be one of the best defenders in the NBA. And then offensively, you have to love how he just stays ready to get a shot up, and that allows him to get the shot up quickly before defense can react and rotate. But what you saw in this game and what you've seen this week from Casey Wallace, he's doing more on ball, which I think will continue to evolve. He's getting downhill to the rim more, which is good to open up his game and really start to bend the defense, uh, kind of changing him from you know, a, a, a traditional corner catch-and-shoot guy, which is what he started out as this year offensively, to, to more of a threat, which he can be and will continue to be as he progresses and gets more comfortable. 12 points, two boards, an assist, four steals, 40, uh, 40% from three, 50% from the floor for Kaysen Wallace. Whenever you look at the two rookies contributing at this level, it just reverts back to that uncommon phrasing. And then you have another bench player who played really well, Kenneth Williams. Kenneth Williams, eight points, four boards, a steal, only one missed shot, but his value came with his play finishing on offense and then his rotations on defense to really allow you to to continue to put on that pressure to the Pelican secondary uh, players and really squeeze out this game on the defensive end, only letting up 83 points. Aaron Wiggins off the bench was a plus 11 in this game. He is elite in transition, and he he had it working again. The shot, the shot he had where it hit the rim hit the backboard, hit the rafters, hit the bench, hit the scores table, hit Chris Fisher, and then came back to the side of the rim and then went back down the net. That was just a a 55-second shot that truly has to make you buy in to Aaron Wiggins' save basketball as he turns a miss into a make, like water into wine. We'll talk more about this team from the New Orleans standpoint, but also the Thunder had their first broadcast on the -the over-the-air television. How did that go? The Thunder are the first place team in the Western Conference right now about to go play Detroit. We'll talk about that as well, all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, about good friends over at Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. And I love Prize Picks. It's available in Oklahoma. And what you do is you pick two to six players and you just predict will they have more or less than their prize pick projections. That's it. It's just you versus the prize pick projections. You're not playing against other, you know, other players, you're not playing against these fantasy sharks who just know everything. 
about fantasy sports. It's just you versus the projected numbers. And so you can even do cross-sport entries. Again, Chiefs play, Thunder play. You can say, hey, I think that I will take the more on SGA points. I'll take the more on Travis Kelsey passing yards. I'll take the more on Isaiah Pacheco touchdowns. And I'll be able to combine this prize pick entry and throw in a little Chet more blocks and make this prize pick entry uh, so great. So that's awesome. And then if you only care about the NBA, I think this is the best play to do the best place to do daily fantasy at the NBA level because we know the NBA, right? We know that things can happen. Injury reports change in the blink of an eye. And you might set your entry, you know, say, say right before work starts at like 9 a.m. And then you go through your whole work day, you get home, and then all of a sudden, right as you turn the TV on to watch the game, you realize, oh, wait, someone I put in my prize pick entry is now listed as out. They're not playing. Prize picks offers a reboot policy, which can save your entries, even if one of your players gets hurt for the NBA and for the NFL. It's the only place with that reboot policy. Prize picks has that for you. And it's so great for that injury insurance policy uh, for these entries. So, so please make sure you take advantage of that at prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA or use all lowercase locked in NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Check it out today at prizepicks.com. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. J Dub once again took over the fourth quarter. He finishes. Here's his totals. His totals, 15 points, four boards, seven assists. Nine of those 15 points came in the fourth quarter. He shot four for six in the fourth quarter. He is just automatic going to his left, and it's just death taxes and Jadab going to his left for a mid-range jumper. Uh, I tweeted that out during the game, and it's just its so true. He, he is on a heater. He's He is the best clutch time player in the fourth quarter since January. He, he's spectacular right now. And he's continuing to evolve in that role. And and I think that that's like the most exciting part about this Thunder team is that you're seeing it in real time of a year ago right now, a year ago, Jan 1 through, you know, the end of January, like this whole month, Jada was starting to turn it around, starting to, you're not turn around, but starting to really kick it in gear. And the the conversation around Jada was even from, from Mark and from, and from the, you know, his teammates and everything else was, He's a guy who you've got to to nudge a little bit to be more aggressive, to nudge a little bit to get closer. And Mark used that brilliant number line analogy where he said that you know there's players like Lou Dort who naturally are way more aggressive than there's players like J-Dub who naturally are way more um, playing within the flow of an offense. And what your goal is is to push those guys right to the middle and get everyone as close to the middle as you can get. So like last year, the point is the goal was – to nudge J-Dub further and further away from being kind of go with the flow and more into being aggressive. And you've watched him evolve from that to him taking over games in the most critical moments down the stretch versus the best teams and literally hitting game winners. Like J-Dub taking over these games has been fun to watch and just continues to show how much more every player, including J-Dub, is going to be able to grow. Like this is just scratching the surface. This is just the beginning of what's happening for Oklahoma City, the beginning of what's happening for the Thunder uh, and for these players. And with all the scoring happening right now in the NBA, you can count on SGA to get you 31 points. He might not get to the 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 points, but he's going to get you 30 a night. And he's going to 
uh, be efficient in doing so. 31 points, four rebounds, five assists, two steals, and a block. He had four turnovers, which I think is, uh, of course, partly due to uh, how well the Pelicans have defended him. He's, he's rarely had a high turnover game this year, uh, and four turnovers is a, is a huge outlier for him this year. Credit to the Pelicans. But here's the thing. The Pelicans, who routinely play him well, did play him good in this game. But you look up, and he has 31 points on 47% from the floor, three for eight from three, and eight for nine at the free throw line. Like That is a considered a really great game defensively uh, on Shea. And he still has that crazy and one where he falls basically in the, on a corner three, he falls from being in the mid range at the start. Uh, he is just pivotal in leading the center team on a five game winning streak, 14 and four since Christmas SGA has just been sensational this year. MVP of the game. I'm going to go Chet Holmgren in this one. Case and Wallace made a very, very good case for it. Now this was the first broadcast on Griffin media over the air free TV. I want to go over it real quickly. I did see some fans that felt like it was not communicated enough by the Thunder um, of what this all meant. I personally disagree with that, but but I also can can acknowledge that, you know, in this space, in this world, I see everything because it's my job. So if this wasn't my job, I've, I've got to try, and it's this is a very much blind spot, I think, for all of us in the media of, of to me, it was extremely well communicated, but, but again, it's my job to know all the little nuances and details. So putting myself in the mindset of someone who this isn't their job, this is their hobby. This is their passion. This is their, their entertainment value. I would understand the frustration of you pay for league pass. You pay for your TV provider that, that doesn't have these affiliate channels and you pay for probably sports plus to make sure you get every game. And then now you don't get the game. So I understand that frustration. Again, from my standpoint, it was very well communicated, so I can't really comment on that. I thought it was very well communicated, but I can admit that this would be frustrating if I didn't, if I simply didn't know about this change, and then all of a sudden I can't watch the game. Um, and I can admit my biases of like, or my my uh, point of of to me, it might be might have been well communicated, but I'm not going to exalt the thunder of any fault uh, because I don't really know how it was presented to. Just. I follow them on Twitter. I follow them on social media. I get all of their little, you know, press releases and, and tweet notifications and everything else to where like, I just know everything about the thunder from that aspect of their comms to where if I didn't have that though, what I have known, I can't really, I don't really know. I, I can't really put myself there. But as far as the broadcast goes, uh, I personally bought an antenna. I bought it the day the team announced that they were going to move. I was spending the last few weeks trying to find the best spot in the house to, uh, to get the best picture for me TV um, and figure it out. It was honestly kind of fun doing that project. Uh, but ultimately the picture wasn't as clear or as perfect as it was uh, on Bobby sports plus. Uh, but if it got access to more people, I'm all for it. Uh, it was the same, you know, crew, Nick Paris, Michael uh, uh, and uh, Chris that everyone loves the same graphic packages. Everything was so digestible. And so, um, kind of smooth from that aspect. Once you got, you know, again, ignoring the whole, was it communicated properly? Once you got to the point of turning the game on, that was as smooth of a process as you can ever have. They smoothly worked into the uh, Thunder pregame show, Thunder postgame show, and the game itself. That was very, uh, that was very awesome of them to, to have that kind of all stay as status quo. So you're not having to adjust to a new score bug. You're not having to adjust to a new graphic package or anything else to kind of throw you off for these one-off games, which again will be, every Friday night game from here on out uh, for the rest of the season. So it's only on Fridays. So tonight's Pistons game is back on Poly Sports Plus, back on Bali Sports in general uh, for this afternoon's game. 
but I thought it was a cool and fun uh, little little wrinkle. Uh, and again, if, if it got to the goal of, of getting to more fans, that's awesome. That's awesome. This team deserves uh, to be seen, deserves to be watched and enjoyed by everyone locally. And the fact that there is uh, even an issue getting this game locally, getting this team locally, is a travesty. But the Thunder are first place in the Washington Conference, a full game up after Saturday results. Uh, the Thunder play the Pistons on Sunday. They play the T-Wolves on Monday. This afternoon's game, the Thunder have to go in to the Detroit Pistons in the afternoon, which has been extremely tough for, for every team to play in the afternoon, and take care of business. Everyone is healthy except for Usman Jang. He's in the G League. And Trey Mann is not with the team, but it is an excused absence, an excused absence for Trey Mann. Uh, so those two guys are not going to play, but everyone else is fully healthy. So they've got to handle their business against Detroit. Then you welcome in the, Pist- uh, the uh, Timberwolves on Monday on the second night of a back-to-back. So it's going to be really fun. I cannot wait for that Wolves game on Monday in the Paycom Center. Here's the schedule, of course, for you. We had six shows this week. Going to be that way next week, too. Pistons recap on Monday. T-Wolves recap on Tuesday. Uh, Special guest Wednesday. Thursday, Nuggets recap. Friday, Mailbag. Saturday, Hornets recap. Monday, Raptors recap. So we're all booked up. We're all ready to rock and roll. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, including on YouTube, so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for checking out this bonus podcast of Lockdown Thunder. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.